I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Orange Brown Talk podcast. Day 13 of Brown's training camp is over. Dan Lobby with Mary Kay Cabot and Ashley Bastock. We're going to recap the day. And I just want to start here. Mary Kay, I thought Deshaun Watson looked really sharp today. I, you know, he's looked good throughout camp and he looks good in the spring. I just, there, were, there were moments today where I kind of, and we're not talking about deep throws, we're not, but just throws that he made where I was like, okay, that's Deshaun Watson right there on the move, uh, accurate. There was one he threw to a, uh, one of the tight ends down the depth chart a little bit, and anybody would have caught that where he placed it. It's that sort of stuff that you see from Deshaun that kind of stops you for a minute, and you realize how good of a quarterback he is. I thought this was the sharpest he's looked in camp from start to finish. Yeah, you know what? His elite skill set was on full display. And right now he's playing twos against twos, coming in after Jacoby Brissett. And I think the pressure is off, you know? I mean, he doesn't have to be out there trying to prove anything at all. He's just out there playing some football and, you know, not really thinking too much, just kind of going out there, reacting a little bit, and, and doing what he knows how to do. And that's why I think that, you know, nothing too much should be read into the game from Friday night. Uh, I really do attribute that to not being able to get into the flow of the game. That is not consistent with what we've seen out here in practice. Uh, And, you know, perhaps he did get a little bit rattled by some of the chants and the boos. He's human, so, you know, I could see that happening. But uh, for the most part, we are seeing, uh, I mean, future really Hall of Fame talent in Deshaun Watson out here. Yeah, actually, I mean, we, we've known that talent has been there. We haven't seen it on the field in a while, obviously, but we, we know that talent is there. And it's just like a practice like this today just reminds you, like, this guy really is, you know, when he's at his best, he's right up there with some of the best quarterbacks in the league. Yeah, and it kind of was an example of all the things he does really well. Like, the ball placement was amazing. And like you said, Dan, he made some really nice throws that basically anyone on this team can catch. Like, one of the highlights from the earlier portion of practice was he hit Zaire Mitchell Payton for yeah, a touchdown I think that's the in, the one corner, I was of. in the corner of the end zone where he had, like, maybe, like, two guys on him, you know, and he just perfectly places the ball that he's able to make the play at the end of it. Um, so you see all those things, you see the ball placement, you see the play action, the rollouts, all those things that we've kind of expected him to do. He just, it was kind of all on display today. And you see him in control too. Mm-hmm. He's up at the line, you know, there was a play, there was a moment today when they were doing team drills and, uh, somebody was in that wasn't supposed to be and there were 12 in the huddle and he kind of had to back out of the huddle. They had to figure out who to get somebody off because 
you know, obviously they get flagged if you got to huddle together, and there's 12 guys, so we backed out real quick. They figured it out. They had to get up to the line and hurry up and get a playoff. Now, it was it was like a handoff to Johnny Stanton or something, but, you know, Mary Kitts, stuff like that, you just see that control of the game and that control of a moment like that. You know, we're going to – something's not right. We're going to fix it. We're going to get to the line. We're going to get the playoff. Well, he's started a lot of football games, and he's played a lot of high, high-level football, of course, going all the way back to his Clemson days. And so you can just see it out there. He's a smart football player. He knows how to, you know, operate the scheme. I think he's got a really good handle on this offense now in particular. And, uh, and I think that, you know, in the event that he does have to come in cold in week 10 or whatever it is, uh, I, I think he'll be okay. The other thing, too, that, that I noticed a lot with him is the way he interacts with his teammates. That's one of the cool things we get to see in training camp. So, yeah, there was a false start by, I think it was one of the right tackles, and I can't remember who it was, but it was a guy down the depth chart. And, you know, Deshaun went up and talked to him before he left the field and got replaced. Um, Deshaun went over and talked him through it. Uh, he, he threw a ball to Anthony Schwartz. I couldn't tell if Schwartz should have caught it. It was a deep ball or if it was just broken up or whatever it was. But, you know, he's immediately talking to Anthony Schwartz, and they're working through stuff. Just the interactions with teammates and fixing things. And, you know, when a guy makes a mistake, he's not barking at him. He's not yelling. You know, he's not showing guys up. You're, you're seeing that stuff, too, with him, Ashley. Yeah, and I think that's one of the things that we've heard constantly since he's been here. And we've, we've seen it on the field, right, that he will talk to anybody. But he's also like that off the field, it seems, from everything we hear, the way guys talk about him, the way you hear things from people behind the scenes. Like, it just really seems that he has really leaning in to this role and understands that he has to do that, especially coming into a team with, number one, everything swirling around him the way it is, but number two, a team that last year, one of their biggest complaints was they didn't feel like they had chemistry going across the team, and some of that was obviously COVID-related. Those restrictions aren't here anymore, but I think you see out on the field that he takes this part of his job very seriously. Yeah, it- you know, we talked about it, the, the trips, just everything, like mm-hmm. like you were rattling off there, Ashley Mary Kay. It has just been like, the minute he got the minute he got here, he just embraced that role as like, this is my football team. And even now in this situation where he is the number two, he's clearly like the alpha in that room and among that group. And like, he, he's really taken that on, I think, from the minute he landed in Cleveland. Yeah, and I think that uh, Kevin Stefanski did a really nice job in the off-season program and throughout the early part of training camp all the way up until day 12 of establishing him as the team leader. And he gave him all the first-team reps, most of the first-team reps, all the way through day 12. And I think that was to send a clear message that he is our guy, not only to get him ready to play, but to get him ready you know, for the future, too, to win Super Bowls for this team and to say, you're here, we believe in you, and we want the rest of the team to believe in you, too. So I think that was part of the plan. Yeah, and that's the important part of all of this. If he is suspended for the year, um, this wasn't, I I don't want to, like, excuse it. Like, you know, that wasn't something they foresaw. That does, I think, hurt the trade a little bit and hurt the decision and make the decision look worse. But it also was not a one-year deal. It was a five-year deal, and he's talked about ending his career here. Um, so I, I think I'll be, I'll be curious. When we do finally get a decision, I'm curious to see how everyone reacts to it, and I do think that'll be a little bit of the spin as well. You know, this wasn't a one-year thing. Uh, but, but that is part of the reality. They didn't bring him in just for 2022. 
Right, and I think like we've talked about how if it is one year, the contract will will toll if he's suspended indefinitely, whatever. But for me, the reason that I think it still hurts is you do lose another year with some of these other guys. Again, we talk about it all the time. Miles Garrett's one year older. Nick Chubb's one year older. Denzel Ward's one year older. You got Jadavian Clowney back because Deshaun Watson came here, but he's only here on a one-year deal. So there's all these other aspects of things. Obviously, your your offensive line's all one-year older. That does still hurt them, regardless of how they try to spin it. And I think that, like, regardless, will kind of always make this deal look. It'll be a notch in the in the con column. It'll be one notch in that column for me. I think if that's what happens. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I think they deserve any amount of criticism that comes their way if he gets that full year suspension. Because I think it's fair to say, Mary Kay, that they didn't plan on a year suspension. They planned on four games or six games or maybe it, but they certainly didn't plan on playing the first full year he was here without him. They certainly did not. I mean, that was, again, unprecedented, and they believed that that was not going to happen. Uh, This whole entire time, they anticipated that they would be dealing with probably uh, four, six, maybe eight games at the very most, but I think that they were thinking more along the lines of four to six or something like that. And uh, so, yeah, this is going to rock the organization if he's out for the year. Uh, I thought Joel Petonio's face showed some signs of strain yesterday, right? I mean... When talking about all the booing and stuff like that, mm-hmm. it seemed to me that he, um, you know, he's addressing that this team is is under undue stress right now, and that you know that it's not going to be easy. And I think he was acknowledging, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be hard. What we have to uh, what we have to deal with. So, yeah, nobody planned for a year, and um, there are going to be a lot of Pro Bowl players on the team that are going to be. Pretty bummed out if it gets mm-hmm. to that point. And, and with Joel in particular, he is, I mean, he turned 30 last year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, is this his last contract that he signed? I'm sure it's popped into his head. I, you know, is he going to play till he's 40? Who knows? But, like, he's a guy, like, unlike Miles and Denzel and Nick Chubb, even though those guys shouldn't take seasons for granted, you never can in this league, they can probably at least look at it and say, well, I'm still young, I'm still in my prime. Joel is, Joel is in his prime, but... You know, for how much, he's got to see that light at the end of the tunnel. You know, he's got to see that that ending in front of him somewhere, and it's a lot closer than it is for somebody like Miles or Denzel Ward or, or someone like that. I think too, like with the offensive line, like look how unpredictable sometimes these careers can end. They can kind of end quicker than you expect. Like look at Joe Thomas, the guy recently, more recently, Mitchell Schwartz in Kansas mm-hmm. City. You know, it ends sometimes really quickly with one injury when you're an offensive lineman, and you don't necessarily always see that coming so that that is I think understandable when we talk about a guy like Joel Batonio yeah like I, I mean I'll never forget that in that stadium when Joe went down yeah and mm-hmm. it's like wait a minute who's who's that on the ground it's Joe Thomas and that was the last we saw of him yeah. walking off the field I know that, that what was it a torn biceps or so I can't remember exactly what the yes. injury was but and end of an era I yeah. mean just uh over in a flash like that and then you think of a guy like Jadavian Clowney mm-hmm. who came here just to play with Deshaun mm-hmm. Watson so um so yeah, there you know there are a lot of extenuating circumstances, and there will be a lot of mixed emotions and feelings uh, if, if it comes down to that. I still think that there is a, a world in which he gets on the field this season. Uh, it's possible a settlement can still happen. Uh, the longer this goes, I think it lends itself to that. But you know, at this point, we just don't really know. I do think there will be a decision this week. Uh, it could come come as soon as tomorrow. Uh, I think that the Browns are kind of gearing up for something to happen over the next couple of days. But, um, 
yeah, we, we sh- should know something soon. Okay, well, we're going to take a break, and then we're going to talk about another one of those guys who might only be here another year and, and get your thoughts on something that was said about him today. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. We are back on the Orange Brown Talk podcast. That player that I referred to was Kareem Hunt, who... Probably is gone after this year, one way or another. Maybe the Browns extend him, but we'll see. Stump Mitchell, Mary Kay, had some interesting things to say about Kareem today. Said he thinks he can be the best, the best in the league, basically, if he just learns a little bit of patience. And we, we discussed this on the pod last week or a couple weeks ago. I've lost all track of time, so who knows <laughs> when we talked about this. But I looked it up, and this was a little jarring to actually see it. You know, Alvin Kamara beat out. Kareem Hunt for Rookie of the Year that year. Mm -hmm. And Kareem led the league in rushing in 2017. Four days after Kareem signed his $13 million extension, Mm -hmm. Alvin Kamara signed an extension that gave him $75 million Mm -hmm. in new money. Now, Kamara is facing his own off-field issues right now. He may be facing a a lengthy suspension of his own, but he's already gotten paid. It just drove home the fact that, like, Kareem Hunt really has lost just a ton of money and he's he's kind of paid for that transgression through that, I think, in, in a lot of ways. Um, I, I see why he might want to get traded. He's 27 years old, just turned 27, probably only has w- one shot at a big contract in front of him, but um, it, it just speaks to how good he is, but also sort of how he got completely derailed by that, that decision that night. He, he really did. I mean, it was such a life-changing moment for him. And he's worked hard to come back from it and to rehabilitate himself and his image and his career. Uh, but it had, you know, none of it's been easy. And think about this: Deshaun Watson got paid yeah. two hundred thirty million dollars, and I have to wonder if that isn't a little bit tough for Kareem to take. Kareem was suspended eight games for an incident with a woman in which. Uh, we all know now that he felt that there was a racial slur mm-hmm. that doesn't excuse anything whatsoever. But it was a life-changing moment for him. Mm-hmm. It cost him millions and millions and millions of dollars. And now he sees Kareem, I mean, he sees Deshaun getting paid $230 million and only getting suspended six games. So, I, you know, some of this might be hard for him to take as he moves through this process. And actually, he is. I mean, they aren't the exact same player, but... I mean, he's got that Alvin Kamara type talent, that all-around type back, Christian McCaffrey. You know, you, mm-hmm. you go through the list of all-around backs, not just runners. That is the type of talent Kareem has. Yeah, and you think about how we talk about constantly how valuable he is. Like, he would be valuable just about on any team he landed with, I think, because of his ability to get involved in the pass game, especially in two-minute drill type scenarios for any team. So I do think that has to really be hitting home with him, especially after a year he had where he was injured for half the year. Now, I've said before, because of how things played out last year, because of those injuries, because of him missing eight or nine games, 
I think it's perfectly reasonable for the Browns to want to wait or for another team to want to wait to give him some big money. But I do think, like you're saying, Dan, he is 27, just turned 27. The reality is we know what the lifespan of running backs in this league is. And this might very well be his last chance to kind of make up some of those financial losses that he's incurred after that incident. So Stump Stump brought up the patience. Um, Why do you think he said that, Mary Kay? Why why do you think he went to a podium and, and talked so much about that today? You know what? I think he did that to give Kareem Hunt a boost. I think that he sees that Kareem is struggling, has asked to be traded, and is in a little bit of distress this camp, and I think he wanted to give him a compliment and to say he has the potential to be the best in the league. And if it isn't going to work out here, I think he wanted to broadcast to the rest of the NFL that there is a really <laughs> good running back here in Cleveland that might potentially either be available this season or next season. These position groups stick together. Yeah, especially Stump. Especially yeah. <laughs> Stump. They stick together. But, I mean, Alex Van Pelt was that way, too, like, yeah. a, a, you know, like a mama bear with cubs when it came to, to Baker Mayfield. And you couldn't, you know, you couldn't go any there, anywhere uh, you know, against Baker Mayfield without you know, Alex having the claws come out. But, um, so I think it's the same. I think it's the same with Stump. I think he, he wanted to kind of shine a light on Kareem a little bit and say, hey, we've got another number one back here that's really darn good. Or did he maybe have a text waiting for him from Andrew Barry saying, hey, thanks for that. That's, we'll make sure that that gets out there to these other GMs about yeah. what Kareem could be. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, I think we've seen it firsthand. Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb, they love Stump Mitchell. Like, those guys yeah. really mm-hmm. missed him when Stump was gone last year for dealing with his own medical issues and mm-hmm. knee surgery. Um, and I, I think that's very prevalent when they talk about him. You can tell what he says means a lot to them. They really take it to heart. And I know Kareem has, it seems like, has had relationships with a lot of his coaches that are very similar to that, mm-hmm. that he is very willing to take coaching and, and things like that from them. So I think Stump Mitchell, you know, he talked about that, they've talked about this, that he tells him consistently that Kareem needs to be more patient, and he says, it's not like he doesn't listen to me, it's mm-hmm. just he has to break these habits. And I think you see that we talk about Kareem's running style, right, and how it's harsher on your body. Mm-hmm. I think if he finds that patience, the game might just come a little bit easier for him, because he still has that force and can run that way, but when he was talking about patience, it's like waiting for the blocks, like letting your guys get in front of you, and he really struggled with that, especially as a rookie, which is understandable, but... I think it might, you know, I think he really wants what's best for him, and you see it with stuff like that, advice like that. But it's also a blessing, too, right? Mm -hmm. Because when you look at, like, Nick, when you look at what they do on the goal line, they tend to go to Kareem Hunt a little more often on the goal line, I think because he's so decisive and because he's so physical. Yeah, absolutely. And remember, you know, when we asked people to describe his running style, it was kamikaze, right? And and that's just who he is and, and how he runs. But I understand what Stump is saying, and I think he's, you know, putting it out there uh, also to kind of motivate Kareem to do what he's asking him to do. He put him on blast. Okay, let's get to a couple more things. The first thing is Denzel Ward is back, mm-hmm. uh, activated off the pup list. That's big. Uh, Greg Newsom dealing with a hamstring injury. But just getting Denzel Ward back, we probably won't see him maybe until preseason game three in an actual you know, game setting, but getting him back on the field, Mary Kay, is big because I think we were all starting to wonder, like, how much longer is this going to be with this foot injury? Yeah, I, you know, to see him out there, 
uh, bodes well for the opener. Now he's got a little less than a month to get ready for the opener to get back into game shape, uh, to kind of gradually go back into you know the first team reps. He wasn't doing that today. He probably won't do that against the Eagles in joint practices on Thursday and Friday. I think he'll ramp up. But just to see him out there uh, was really good because they need their number one lockdown corner. There's no question about that. They made him one of the highest paid cornerbacks in the NFL in the offseason, and they're expecting big, big things from him. And uh, so, yeah, it was it was good to see him out there again, as you mentioned, especially with Greg Newsom out with the hamstring. And, again, when it's a hamstring and you have to utilize your speed the way that those guys do, you know, you might want to give him a little extra time too. Yeah, and actually easing him back in seems to be the right move, especially speaking of hamstrings. Denzel does have that history of hamstrings. Like, he's he's got – some soft tissue history, so just easing him back is probably the right play here. Yeah, and I was going to say, especially soft tissue stuff, I mean, you know how finicky those injuries can be, and a guy could be out much longer than you initially anticipate. So at this point, it's like, why rush anything? Like, you do still have a month. Obviously, it's not ideal that he missed this much time, but at the end of the day, he's still a Pro Bowl corner. Like, he knows the system now. He's had another year in it. So I think it, you just want to make sure he's actually going to be out there and ready to play for you when week one rolls around. So yeah, the one other thing I want to touch on is, again, going back to something Stump Mitchell said. He was a goldmine today. Uh, Stump Mitchell talked about Demetric Felton, um, and we've talked about Demetric Felton. What is he? And he said that Demetric is maybe being slighted a little because he can't settle into one room. Um, but he said, look, it's good for the Browns. It might not be best for the player, but it's what Demetric does, and, and we're lucky to have him. Do you think it's do you think it hurts Demetric Felton, Mary Kay, that he has to split his time between running back and wide receiver? Or could it ultimately in the long run turn him into a better player? I think it, it does hurt him in the short run. I definitely think so, because it doesn't give him an opportunity to excel at one spot. And it doesn't give him a chance to really hone in at one place. Um, but you know, I do think there is a method to their madness. I think that they view him as sort of an all-purpose player and that they you know, they feel they're giving him the best opportunity to stay on the team and make mm-hmm. the team and, you know, to be able to play multiple roles. Because really, if he's not good enough uh, in the receiver room and he's not good enough in the running back room, in a crowded running back room, you know, you could start to fall through the cracks a little bit. This gives him an opportunity to be sort of a triple threat with special teams, with returns, especially now, you know, with Jakeem out uh, for the season. So, even though it's probably not ideal in terms of his development, uh, it could keep him around and around longer than he may have been. I think we're seeing it in action, Ashley, with like Friday night. Are they really put playing him in front of Jerome Ford in that game? Yeah. And like now Jerome Ford played really well, so where does he fall there? Whereas in the receiver room, he started in the slot because David Bell wasn't ready to go. Yeah, and to go back to your question, Dan, both things can be true to me, and I have a story put, um, put writing on Dimitri that's <laughs> going to be posting in a few minutes when we're done here. But I wrote in it, versatility with these younger guys especially is so interesting because it can be a superpower, but it can also be like a kryptonite working against you. Yeah. I had to get that metaphor in there when I thought <laughs> of it. But it's true, right? And other guys who are kind of known for their versatility, I, you know, I've heard JOK talk about this before, that you want to make sure that you do have some actual strengths and not just like are kind of all over the place. And I think 
Mary Kay hit the nail on the head there with it, it maybe doesn't help his personal development as a player, but it is giving him a roster spot right now. And that's better than the alternative, I think. So if that's his role, it's understandable why he's accepted. And we talked to him today. He's like, I'm a football player. When I think you asked him, Dan, or yeah. do, do you consider like, yourself? You? <laughs> yeah, like, what do you consider yourself? And he said, I, I, whenever I get asked that, I, I just say I'm a football player. And I think he really believes that. It's, it's shades of Duke Johnson. I feel like these are the same interviews we used to have yeah. with Duke Johnson. But um, it is what it is. <laughs> yeah, and it, and it also sort of depends on who's playing quarterback. I mean, if Deshaun is out there and you need someone uh, more involved in the passing game, you know, then he can jump in and help serve that role. If you're going to be relying more on your running game, he can jump in there. So I, I think in the end it will serve him very well. Well, and like Stump pointed out today, kind of, you know, it's a lot of this is injury-related, too. Like, think about the receiver yeah. problems they had last year. It makes sense that they put him in there. And this year it's been injury after injury to these guys. And like you said, we have obviously Nick Chubb at Green Hunt and Jerome Ford now that it, it makes sense that his space is more in the receiver room. All right, that'll do it uh, here for this uh, training camp day recap on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. For Mary Kay and Ashley and Dan, thanks for listening, everybody.